Welcome to Leadership Amplified. It's great to have your company. Today's guest is Peter Loimaranta, who's the CEO of Maxi Parts. Peter completed a Bachelor of Commerce before working in the construction materials sector in various finance roles. He was given the opportunity to complete a secondment in the Philippines, as well as spend two years in Singapore, Malaysia and Thailand as a regional controller. And that provided him with exposure to a variety of merger and acquisition projects. Peter returned to Australia and joined Maxi Trans as financial controller for the parts business. And he also filled the company secretary role for the listed entity. He was promoted to general manager of Coleraine, which was the trading name of Maxi Parts at that time. The business was loss making, but not for long. Uh, Peter worked with the management team to rebuild the business and return it to profitability. And after that came an expansion program with various organic growth projects, as well as acquisitions, and that expanded the business to over $100 million in revenue. After about 10 years, he stepped out of the parts business to take on the role of Group General Manager International for MaxiTrans, and then he was looking after manufacturing businesses in China and New Zealand, as well as developing the group's international strategy. Through that time, the group's strategy was refined to become more Australian-focused. Peter returned to manage the Maxi Parts operating business as well as the New Zealand tra- trailer business and a number of the trailer workshops. Again, the business was developing a new strategy that would see Maxi Trans sell its trailer solutions business and become a dedicated parts distribution business. And the renamed business is Maxi Parts. In September 2021, the group completed the sale of the trailer business, at which time Peter was promoted to Managing Director and CEO of Maxi Parts. Peter, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. I'm really delighted that you've set the time aside and look forward to our conversation. So welcome. Thanks, Karen. Thanks. Um, And the first question I always like to ask my guests is to tell us the story of their leadership career. Um, It's something that's really inspiring for others to listen to. You know how people chose to be leaders or didn't choose to be leaders, but found themselves in leadership roles. So what's your story, Peter? Uh, Look, I I did a um, commerce degree. So I went to uni, did a commerce degree, um, went into industry as opposed to an accounting firm so i worked for some large global construction material companies um and spent the first few years in usual finance type roles you know doing bank mm-hmm. and all those fun and inspiring things that didn't really inspire me um <laughs> right. so, they didn't so no, how did you keep your motivation up to do them um i, I guess it was a, a lead in to get involved in other parts of the business so right. you know i got really fortunate i had a few different um, significant opportunities presented to me. So when I was, you know, a few years into working, I went um, and did a secondment in the Philippines for mm. a sister company. It was a great opportunity to elevate my career, but also spend a lot of time with, you know, a, an MD and a CFO at a, you know, living at their house on different weekends and, and really getting to understand what makes them tick and being involved in the decision-making of a business that I normally wouldn't have gotten at that stage in my career. So learn, yeah. learn a real lot. Yeah, um, fantastic. Um, and did you, would you say that you had a degree of ambition to do that? Was that a choice to say, oh, look, at I, I'm going to find opportunities and make the most of opportunities? 
or was it less conscious at the time? No, look, it, I, I guess it was a little bit of that. It was it was such a good opportunity, um, mm. you know, and I'm a big believer that when you get presented opportunities, you, you're better off saying yes and trying to work out <laughs> how you make it happen than, yeah. than saying no. Um, yeah. you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something more than just be a finance person, and I guess right. this was an opportunity yeah. to get exposures both from a cultural and a business point of view. So yeah. it was Wonderful. great to, yeah. Be engaged with local staff and understand the cultural aspects that I didn't get in Australia as well. Mm, yeah. And what about the cultural challenges? Did you experience that as a challenge? It sounds like you were very well supported there in that different culture, but it can be a bit of a shock. Yeah, look, it certainly was a shock, particularly that time of year. It was quite a dangerous place and I had a bodyguard. So there was the, right. the cultural as well as the security issues. So, um, you know, really different change of lifestyle, but, you know, really enjoyed Meeting people, went on holidays with some of the, the local Filipino staff that I worked with and, and you mm-hmm. know, went to their houses and got to understand how their family dynamic worked, which was you know really enlightening. Mm. If you could distill what you learned from that experience into sort of just one thing or the most significant thing that you learned, what, what would it be? Um, the world's really different everywhere. So you mm. need to be able to adapt and and change your approach. So, you know, yeah. throughout life you learn lots of different things and um it was so different I, I had to change myself. Um which which was great and it, it it helped me later in life as I went into different environments and, and different scenarios to be able to adapt to the situation. Yeah, yeah. I think it actually the research supports that so it's an amazing experience to have that that need to read what's going on and be able to be flexible enough with your style really makes a big difference so that's terrific so what happened after the philippines um so i came back came back to australia um mm-hmm. went went into a management accounting role so i had my first management experience i had a couple of more junior yeah. accountants working for me um did that for a couple of years, got got married, um, did all those things when you're back in Australia and I was working for another global construction materials company. Of course, they come and tap me on the shoulder and said, would you like to go to Asia mm-hmm. and do another secondment? So I moved back to um, Singapore, Malaysia and, and Thailand and took on a regional role, um, which was once again a great experience to elevate my career, a great experience to spend time with new senior leaders in a global company um, mm-hmm. and the role was a lot more transactional based. So that particular company was selling a lot of businesses in Asia. So I got to yeah. work and broaden my skill set in um, M&A and, and disposals across a number of different um, projects and years. So, mm. Yeah, terrific. Uh, and next step, next so, move. Uh, next, um, at that point, I sort of sold myself out of a job. So I, I came back to Australia okay. and I yeah. didn't have a job. Um, yeah. My wife at the time was from Geelong. So we moved from Brisbane and came back into Melbourne. So mm-hmm. uh, moved into a finance role and then joined Maxitrans in a in a financial controller role, So um, which is where the business I'm at at the moment has developed into. So joined mm. Maxi, Maxitrans. There were a lot of catch-up work and um, I guess then built my career through maxi trends or maxi parts as it is today in um, a number of different roles. So got fortunate that had a managing director at the time who was 
brave enough to put a finance guy into a general manager's role in charge uh-huh. of the Fair Parts business. So, uh, so my... what helped? What helped him to be brave? I reckon he wasn't so so brave as you say. Uh, um, what do look, you think? It, yeah. Look, the, the business that or the division at the time was really struggling. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I stepped into the role in an acting caretaker role as as we were looking for a general manager and right. luckily had a few really good team members and yeah you know, we, we made a number of changes to the business really quickly um yeah and helped turn the trajectory of the business which I guess gave gave them confidence that I could yeah. do the job on a long-term yeah. basis yeah I mean that that's a fantastic position to be in often um and, and at times when I'm coaching people they're in the interim roles and it can be a very disruptive sort of time for yourself thinking about how much do I invest in this how much don't I just from what you've said you invested everything in that interim role despite the fact that they were looking for someone on a permanent basis yeah look I I did and I once again um, you know really fortunate the team within the business I was working with and the the managing director or CFO of the parent company were really supportive you know they wanted us as a business to go and make changes. Um, mm-hmm. And they supported those changes and they helped with those changes, but yeah. you know, we were at a position where we needed to do something different. Um, and as you said, I, I jumped into it with nothing really to lose um, yeah. and it worked out well. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and w- that sounds like it was a lot of your financial kind of skills, commercial skills that helped with that. From the people leadership side of things, you know, what were the people who worked with you at the time say about your style then and what you were like to work with as this, you know, pretty significant change process was happening? Uh, look, I, I was probably pretty abrupt and direct back then. Oh. So, um, <laughs> I think I've mellowed and grown over the years, but, um, you know, I was new into that real senior general yeah. operations role. So there was a fair bit of stress that I need to learn how to deal with. Um mm-hmm. But we worked through it. We we had a lot of people change. So one of the challenges in the business at that time is it got went from a private business to a public business two years right. earlier. Yeah. And there was a lot of long and established staff who exited the business. Yeah. So we needed to go and in effect re, recreate a management team and bring back in some key staff at, at operational levels. Um so mm-hmm. we had a had a lot of work around recruiting the right staff and developing staff within the business, um, mm-hmm. which was exciting and it, and it worked really well. And a lot of those mm-hmm. people are, are still here today. So mm-hmm. uh, just pleasing. Yeah, fantastic. So after that sort of rescuing, if you like, of the, of the business and, uh, and um, what, what came next in terms of the leadership challenges for you? Yeah, look, um, I sort of stayed in that general manager's role for, for an extended period. So it was about 10 years. But in that mm. 10 years, we um, got to a point where we then had the faith of the board to then actively grow the business. So we completed some acquisitions. We set up some greenfield sites. So we went into a growth phase of the business, which was mm. really pleasing after turning That's it good. around. Um, yeah. you know, so we, we grew the business. And I guess after being there about 10 years, um, we had a new managing director come into the parent company and, he sort of said, well, you've been here 10 years. What do you want to do now? Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, we were resetting our strategy. So I, I put my hand up and moved back into a, an international role. So I looked after 
based in Melbourne still, but looked after a manufacturing plant in China and mm -hmm. a cap, uh, trailer manufacturing and sales business in New Zealand, um, mm -hmm. as well as developing a what at the time was going to be an expansion strategy um, outside of Australia for the business. Mm -hmm. So once again, mm -hmm. diff different back back into Asia where I had some experience, but um, yeah. you know, yep. the first time I had exposure to, to managing manufacturing businesses and once again, the cultural challenges of having a China business and a New Zealand mm. business and, and trying to do it from Australia. Mm. And again, what would you take out of that that time period in terms of the the leadership, personal leadership challenges and and successes? Um, look, it, it once again was learning how to adapt. You know? So yeah. you know, that China Chinese culture. Um, of being an outsider and coming in and, you know, it was a well-established team and a, and a business. So mm -hmm. working out how we could get the required corporate processes and and parent direction from Australia into a business that had pretty much been left to its own devices for 18-odd for years um, right. was a challenge. Um, and mm. it was a challenge, once again, to adapt our strategy. So when I went into that role... We had grand plans of expanding internationally and I guess through understanding more about our product and those markets, we adapted the strategy and we ended up selling the China business and reverting back into a more of an Australian, New Zealand focused operation. Mm -hmm. um, and and from there? Um, so when I sold the China business, I um, continued to look after the New Zealand operation and at the time, the parts business that I used to run um, had some management changes. So it was really important to the group, both in the short and long term, um, for its success. So I put my hand up and stepped back into running the parts business. So I, I mm -hmm. continued to look after the New Zealand manufacturing trailer business, and I picked up responsibility for running a number of the trailer workshops around Australia. But um got to step back into a business that I was in for so long but that had left for a couple of years um, so I could come back and once again change my style and re-enter something that I knew really well but with a new, um, I guess, a new focus and a new approach. So how, how, did, you, how did you actually change yourself in that way? Um, I think in the years that I was gone, the different experiences, you know, the you know, managing a business in China, working through the cultural aspects, um, the pace of the businesses were very different as well. Yeah, you know, the, mm -hmm. the parts business is really quick, whereas the trailer business is a lot more methodical and and thought out. So, um, you know, I changed as a person. So uh, I guess I came back in a little bit, a little bit more patient, even though I'm still an impatient individual. Um, so a little bit more patient, probably a lot more conscious of the need to get engagement from people um, and the need to make sure that we we could drive a as diverse business as we can because, you know, it's a business that was struggling to find people and we need to make sure that we maximise our employment pool. Mm, yeah. Um, and most recently then you've the uh, another big change um in the in the business uh pretty fundamental sort of change and um you uh, stepped into the ceo md role so at a time of course when the entire world was going crazy with covid so <laughs> tell us about that sort of journey into the ceo role and what it's been like and the the different challenges um that you faced with this role 
Yeah, look, um, we we made the strategic decision to to sell the capital equipment trailer manufacturing business and and focus on the parts business um, as a group. So we went through a a disposal in the middle in the height of COVID um, mm. and due diligence and everything. So we we completed that disposal and at that time we kept Maxi Parts as a publicly listed business and and mm. with the change of scope, um, as you said, I stepped up into the the CEO role. Um, which was really exciting and, and challenging. So, you know, we were mm. still going through a separation, which, you know, there are a lot of cross functions, you know, shared IT systems and needing to pull apart a, a shared service center and create um, a team specifically for the maxi parts business. Um, mm-hmm. We needed to go and resell the future of the maxi parts business to our investment community because yeah. you know, we were, we were pretty beaten up and battered as a listed entity for a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. So we had to go and, and reset that direction as well as then start the process of implementing growth projects um, mm-hmm. to add scale that we needed. So we then completed an acquisition in February. So we, we sold the trailer business in, in August in 2021 and we completed our first acquisition um, of a yeah, about a $45 million business with 10 sites uh, in February. So mm. plenty on the go. Plenty on the go. Okay. And what are the hallmarks of your leadership? You know, again, um, if I was someone working on the leadership team with you, um, you know, what would be my experience of your leadership? Um, Look, I, I try to make myself as available as I can. Mm-hmm. I've read all those books that say you need to block away time for strategy, etc. Um, it, it doesn't work for me. I, I try to okay. keep myself as available as I can for the business and then I fit everything else in around that I need to do for myself. Um, well, you, you must be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, look, I've gotten good at juggling different balls, but look, I, mm-hmm. I try to make sure I'm available. I'm a big believer that if, you know, if someone needs to reach out to me in my position, that they're doing it for a reason. So, you know, I, I need to be there. I need to be available. I need to help resolve or answer a question or provide guidance or, or whatever the scenario is. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty responsive. Um, I've gotten a lot better at allowing my direct reports to run their own area. So I've tried mm-hmm. to get away from the micromanagement bit, but once again, I'm there there to help them, there to help make sure that, you know, the key aspects we stay accountable for. So in our business, um, it's really fast-paced. So if, yeah. if we can't react quickly as a business and make decisions quickly as a business, then, you know, we fall behind. And so, you know, really need to help the management team and everyone in the business Make make decisions and put plans in place quickly if we need to, um, and mm-hmm. keep that pace going. Yeah. So how do you manage that? I mean, we're talking about burnout and stress all the time these days, particularly post COVID, and there are some real challenges that organisations as well as society generally seem to be facing around sort of well being, mental health. What are you doing um, at Maxi Parts to help manage that balance between the that need? You know, you're in a fast-paced industry. You need to be able to be responsive to that. That's that's the business, but at the same time, to to help people manage um, their resilience and and um, energy. Yeah, look, we've set out a, a fairly 
focused strategic growth program. So we've got mm. a number of pillars and, and we've mapped out a plan with activity that we think is manageable for the business and the teams. Yeah. Um, you know, like every plan, you get about a week into it and something changes. So, yeah. you know, it's, I guess it's constantly helping the business reprioritize where we need to, you know, yeah. so okay. you know, our business and individuals, there's always, you know, normally more on than what we can do. Um, mm. So it's trying to make sure that we can, we can stop something if we need to um, yeah. and reprioritize it to help everyone focus on the, the key tasks and make yeah. it manageable. Yeah. Do you know, I think that's one of the best answers I've ever had to that or had to that question in in recent times because most people want to plug in a wellbeing program or do something and there's nothing wrong necessarily with that. But, you know, one of the critical issues right now is the pace of work and the expectations and demands on people. So being able to manage those in a way that protects people's wellbeing um, is the and most sensible yeah. thing. And communication becomes critical, you know, if we've, mm. if, and we have had teams that have fallen behind for, for various reasons. And, you know, a, a big part of that is helping communicate to the business the status of where it is and, and what it looks like, because there's nothing worse than being behind and have everyone continuing to pile in yeah. with the inquiry. So, you know, yeah. our leaders in the business and myself quite often, you know, might need to step step in and say, hang on our data team or our purchasing team or whatever it is 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 under the pump with with x y and z hence why you know it's going to take us a week or two weeks to to get back to normal so making Mm. sure we communicate when different teams are struggling um is really important yeah yeah great um and just to shift the the focus um, a little, I mean, we met through the work that your organisation is doing in um, uh, diversity and inclusion, and I'm um, I'm really keen to to hear from you about why it is so important to focus on inclusion and 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 to put resources and energy into it. Yeah, look, um, there's the obvious reason that it's just the right thing to do. You know, it, it's the fair and equitable thing, and it, it shouldn't really be a debate in my mind. It's it's the right thing to do, but you know, if we want to flip it, it's it's also the right thing to do for the business's success. You know, we're we operate in a fairly male-dominated industry, um, yeah. and we have for a long time. And as a business, it's probably been challenging at different times for minority groups to come in and and succeed, but. Um, you know, we have done a lot of work about trying to understand the challenges um, mm-hmm. that those various groups encounter, put in some simple day-to-day solutions to make it easier for them to operate in, um, yeah. and then, you know, continue to, to work on how we can attract through recruitment, um, how we can develop and train through things like apprenticeships, because ultimately, you know, like most businesses in Australia today, we're struggling to find people. Um, yeah. If I was to focus my employment pool on, you know, white male demographic, 30 to 50, um, it's just not going to be good for the business. And it's not good. We can't find the people. And then it's not good from a diversity of thought, skill set, um, engagement point of view. So what are the benefits to you in your business? Do you think the sort of key benefits of that diversity in terms of diversity of thought? Yeah, look, it, um, you get different views. So we've got a, we've got a diverse senior team. We've got a diverse board, um, in terms mm-hmm. of gender and skill sets. So, you know, when you, 
when you're having a management team meeting or you're assessing a priority, it's it's great to have people with different perspectives. You know, if, if we've only had people who've come from within the business and that transactional base, then then you can quickly go down a singular path really quickly that might not be the right one. So it sort of helps us step back at different times and think about things mm-hmm. in a different way. And and it also helps us think about the people aspect. You know, quite often, you know, blue collar environment, male dominated, we go charging into things and then come back six months later and work out how everyone were battered and broken afterwards. So it's helped us put different key aspects into perspective as we plan out key projects. Mm, yeah. And, I mean, one of the hardest, oh, I know, perhaps there are quite a few hard things, it seems, about diversity and inclusion and making it work, but what's the hardest thing about getting that diversity of thought and that, you know, with with a team, like a leadership team or a board, you're looking for both uh, kind of cohesion uh, speaking with one voice, you might think, like being really clear and aligned, and then you've got this diversity of thought. So how do you manage to get the balance between those two things or or use the diversity to then achieve the clarity and the, the focus? Yeah, look, I think it's trying to have an environment where people are comfortable to, to voice their opinion. Um, you know, it's, it's really important, and then making sure we listen to it. You know, I, I got lucky in that, when we sold the business, we actually have a, a resetting of the management team. So yeah. it was it was a new a new group of existing staff. So we all knew each other, but we might not have worked directly with each mm-hmm. other. So it allowed us to reform that team. And you know, one of the real exciting opportunities has been resetting the culture and resetting processes and systems. You know, we've come out of a parent company which was very dominated from how manufacturing businesses work. So mm-hmm. You know, needing to reset the processes and simplify things, you know, whether it be safety or or our um, performance development system, et cetera, it's allowed us to go and look at a number of those key things and say, well, does it actually work for our type of business? And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, what do we need to do to change it um, and work through those projects? So still plenty of work to do, but it's been really exciting. And as I said, it's helped us reset some of those cultural items and engagement items. Yeah, yeah. And so those sorts of processes do take a long time. Where do you think you are in terms of where you started and thinking about what the reset needed to be to, you know, there's never an end point really, but kind of a point in time where you would say we've been successful in this reset? Um, Look, still really early. So there were a number of items that as a business and, and individuals within the business that, we we knew we wanted to reset, um, mm-hmm. not because what we had previously was wrong, but it, as I said, it might not have just been suited to the type of business we are. So we had, we identified what they were. We've reset them. We've simplified them. In some cases, we've oversimplified them down, and we're now at a point of rebuilding up the longer term structure and system. So we've got a new mm-hmm. a new HR um, system coming in um, we've spent a lot of time redeveloping our safety so we're now putting back in the mechanisms that will make it easier for us to operate um, yeah. and allow us to expand and you know we we were conscious we also had the acquisition in the middle so we had to bring in a, you know, 80 yeah. odd employees who've come from a private business into a public business and manage that mm-hmm. transition for those individuals as well so um, mm. we're still really early on but you know, I think we're heading where we want to go and what we believe is the right direction. Yeah, fantastic. 
Yeah, it sounds um, very inspiring. Um, I love the the idea of the simplicity, you know, re the opportunity to reset, to see things with fresh eyes and then to adapt, you know, in, in terms of what this company is and what it needs. Yeah. So that's been a fantastic conversation. Thanks for sharing the leadership journey um, and uh, focusing around inclusion. And I've seen that in so many play out in a, a number of the people that I've interacted with in the business. So, you know, it sounds like a, a really sensible, practical and open, you know, approach to making um, inclusion work. And as we finish up the conversation, um, I'm interested in, in whether you have any, you know, key lessons for aspiring or emerging leaders um, or even people, you know, mid-career, but things that people might be thinking about, especially as, you know, from your position, thinking about what the world is moving towards in the future. Yeah, look, um, I guess my take out is there's so many different avenues to, to learn and develop nowadays. You know, there's mm -hmm. podcasts, there's YouTube, there's training courses, there's managers and people within the businesses that you work. Um, yeah. What I've found is not everything works. You, you need to try different things um, yeah. and work out what is appropriate for yourself and, and for the teams you manage because if you're not authentic, whatever you do doesn't resonate and you don't mm -hmm. get the buy-in, whether it's engagement or influence. So, you know, you need to work out what, what works, pick up lots of learning tips, but as I said, be prepared to change. Circumstances mm. change. If you've got a really rigid mindset, um, it ends up getting harder and harder. So, uh, you know, I've always found try different things, self-assess them. If it works, then great. Do more of it. If it doesn't work, then um, be prepared to change your approach. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. It was a great conversation. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, Karen.